Welcome, everyone, to this episode of this one time at OU. Excited today to have Dr. Paul Jones, the interim VP of Student Affairs, among other titles. She prefers to go by Jenny. So welcome, Jenny. I'm so happy to be here and to talk about my favorite place on earth. We have the right person. And welcome, (laughs) Roz. How are you? Hi, Tim. Hi, Dr. Jenny Hall-Jones. So excited to talk to you. And uh, I have lots of memories of my two days of orientation, uh, listening to your speeches. And uh, I was very impressed with you at that time. And I just think uh, you really are such a great Bobcat past and current. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, tell us about three-time Bobcat. Are you from Athens? No, although I consider myself to be from Athens now. So this summer will be my 30th year in Athens. And so I originally am from a small town in Ashtabula County, way up in northeastern Ohio, called Kingsville. And I came to Athens to be a student here because it was uh, the only place that had my major at the time. I was a forensic chemistry major. And I came here sight unseen. I had never even visited campus. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, wow. Yes. <laughs> As you can imagine how pleased I was when I come down to Southeastern Ohio. And you know how it is. You are rounding the bend on 33 there. And you see like South Green and the river. And you see Peden Stadium. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a beautiful place. I'm so lucky. And then, you know, I'm lucky enough to have stayed here oh no kidding no lake effect winters there like you had in northeast ohio (laughs) oh my gosh when it snows in athens you know and we get like an inch and everything shuts down every my family my mom she would just crack up and be like i cannot believe athens is shutting down right now (laughs) we get feet of snow up where i'm from But, you know, I only lived there for 18 years, and I've been in Athens for 30. So Athens is truly my home. No better place to call home, for sure. Right. That's great. You just rounded 33 and never went back. (laughs) Well, what years did you, uh, what year was that when you rounded that bend? Right. So I came in 91. I graduated with my undergrad. I ended up changing my major halfway through to sociology because I knew I wanted to go into um, student personnel is what we call it. But I knew I wanted to live and work in higher education for the rest of my life. So I got into grad school here, got my master's degree in college student personnel from the Patton College of Education. I had met my husband here. He is a two-time Bobcat. And he is a local teacher, so he teaches fourth grade um, at East Elementary, and he loves it here. And then maybe, I don't know, so I graduated with my master's in 97, and then around 2002, 2003, I started working on my PhD, and I did it uh, part-time while I was working full-time, and I finally graduated with my PhD in higher education in 2011. And then I became the Dean of Students in 2012. Wow. Well, that's that's quite a turnaround to go from forensic chemistry to wanting to be in higher education administration. What what made you do that turnaround, especially since you went there specifically for that major? 
Yeah, well, I mean, again, I've already aged myself because I told you all my dates, but do you remember Silence of the Lambs? You're you're younger than us, so. (laughs) (laughs) But I I wanted to be Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, Clarice. Clarice. (laughs) Which they're doing all this new stuff about, which is funny. The students are finally getting to understand that. Um, But I I had always really been uh, interested in kind of law enforcement. And I wanted to work in a, you know, a a lab somewhere. And then basically what happened is I, um, even though I love this place, people have a hard time believing this, but my first year... I came down here. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of a straight-laced student. My dad, growing up, um, had some problems with alcohol and alcoholism. So I thought alcohol was, like, evil at that age. (laughs) And so I was kind of lonely and bored, and I didn't make a lot of friends my freshman year. So I really just focused on my classes. um, And I had a part-time job in the library. I had work-study in the Alden Library, which was fun. And then my sophomore year, I became an RA. And once I became an RA, it was like I found my people. (laughs) I was like, how did I not meet all these people before? And I loved, loved, loved being an RA. And so that changed my life, really. Good thing you didn't give up that freshman year, you know. I tell people that, oh, yes. I tell people that all the time when people are homesick uh, you know, when I'm talking to parents now and they're talking about their students, I'm like, just give it a moment. You've got to get your extroverted on. You have to go meet people. If you hole up in your room and you don't get out and enjoy, get a job, you know, uh, get to know campus beyond just your classes. Um, it's not the same experience. You've got to, you, you've got to expand your horizon. So I always tell people, hold on, just give it a little bit more time. <laughs> and I give them my own example. Right. You know, uh, Jenny, when I look at your picture on the website, I was like, that's the woman who did the student orientation for my son that's there. He's a junior now. And, uh, you know, we went to orientation with, uh, I wasn't even sure he was going to actually go to college. He was very shaky academically and emotionally and (laughs) mature wise. And uh, you did a great job during that orientation, both of easing the parents' minds and, you know, encouraging us to not micromanage them anymore and uh, a lot of great advice and then uh, encouraging him because I came away from that with feeling much better. I was like, all right, he's going to make it. He was really stressed out about getting there that second day at 8 a.m. and he was really seriously picking his classes, and I just thought, yes, he's going to make it. So we'll, hopefully he'll get all the way to graduation. But I just wanted to say you did a great job with that, although the pizza talk was a little uncomfortable. <laughs> what do you mean? Late night pizza? Dr. Pizza? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I miss late night pizza. With the cute little cutters, those little cutters they would give you. Oh, we had a gentleman. We had a gentleman on who was a manager there, and we want to have next summer a or this summer, I guess a um, this one time at OU weekend. And he said him and his friends after college perfected the recipe, and they know how to make a perfect late night pizza. So hopefully he'll come make us pizzas. I would come back for that twice twice baked potato pie. Oh, that was my favorite. But Tim, I'm cracking up because you have no idea what Rox and I were t- are talking about. 
no, you had me a pizza. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> well, she ruins pizza for you, I gotta well, say. It doesn't last long, but she does ruin it for a little bit because she, uh, it's a talk about uh, uh, sex and, and how to make sure you do it the right way and how sex is like a pizza. And it's, uh, I don't know how you want to explain it, Dr. Hall Jones, but it was a good, it was a good talk. Oh my gosh. So, um, Tim, you say you have students or, or. I do. You do. And are they Bobcats? No, um, I couldn't get them to go that. I tried very hard. <laughs> okay. Well, if your students had been bobcats they would have gotten this talk but i know <laughs> he dropped the ball he dropped the ball i was on the ball my son was there my stepdaughter also went there and my son was at ou seriously like 12 times before he was 15 because i kept going to visit so much <laughs> i love that but the pizza talk in short tim because you know this is basically something i've been doing for probably about 10 years almost uh since i became the dean of students so I, it's, you know, sexual assault is serious. It's a serious problem on all college campuses because you have this group of young people um, who are statistically most likely to be victimized by sexual assault and they're also statistically most likely to perpetrate sexual assault. And as people who are educators and um, take care, are the caretakers of all of our students on campus, to me, it's a huge responsibility to talk about it and talk about it out loud, um, tell all the students what our expectations are. So I define the whole spectrum of sexual assault. I let people know what will happen if they perpetrate sexual assault on our campus. I tell them what we will do, which is suspend and expel them, depending on the violation. And it's pretty serious. It can be a little overwhelming. Uh, especially for, you know, 17, 18 year olds and their parents coming to visit college for the first time. And so in order to make it not so overwhelming, I try to lighten it up. And I basically say, you know, students, it's not your fault. Uh, it's hard to talk about sex. We have raised you. We, the parents, have raised you in this society where it's kind of taboo to talk about it. And it's also, we use code language to talk about it. So we talk about the birds and the bees. We talk about um, Netflix and chill. And we use really horrible metaphors like baseball to talk about sex. Did you know, did you get to first base? Did you get to second? Did you hit a home run? So what I say is I basically say that's the most horrible metaphor ever to talk about sex and consent. Because first of all, you've got somebody's on offense, somebody's on defense. You can't, you know, you're not like going the same direction, right? So you're always playing against each other. Um, you don't even know what the bases mean. You know, if you feel uncomfortable on third base and you want to go back to second, you're not allowed because that's not how the game is played. So what I say is um, I need you to stop using all these code words and all these metaphors. But I also know that that's hard because you're young and we didn't teach you well to talk about sex. So if you have to continue to use a metaphor, I want you to think about getting consent the same way you order pizza. So I tell people to think about the last time you ordered pizza with someone that you've never ordered pizza with before. And so Tim, <laughs> tell me, the last time you ordered pizza with someone new, what is the first thing that you do? Anything but olives. Yes, you basically say <laughs> what you don't like. 
Sometimes you're even allergic to things. I'm gluten-free. I have to get the cauliflower crust. Like, whatever. But the point being is you negotiate the pizza before you even get to eat it or make it. And then when the pizza arrives or when the pizza's done, you can decide that you, you look at that pizza and you're like, wow, this is great. I'm so glad I ordered this pizza. I'm digging in right now and having all the pieces. Or you can take one look at the pizza and be like, this doesn't look so good. And I'm going to not eat it right now. And it's no big deal because nobody is going to force you to eat the pizza. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a good it's a good way to do it. It, it was a good metaphor. Well, you, sure. yeah, I was wondering where you're going. But the fact you said you start off as soon as I said it, I kind of fell right into it, which makes perfect sense. Talk about what you don't like and what shouldn't happen. And so that is a good way of confronting it. So now you can talk to your college kids who did not, who made the poor choice of not coming to OU, and you can give them the mini version of the pizza talk. Yeah, he's he's twenty. I think we've had that talk, but uh, yes, I uh, I have a seventeen year old, and we've just kind of had that talk. So I, we not we haven't had it when he's going away to be alone by himself. So that's good. Now I know what to say. It was good. It was good. Like I said, I thought you did a good, real good job with everything. And I survived sitting through the talk, the Beats talk with my son. So it was good for us both. And <laughs> if he's a junior, it was a couple of years ago. And so that's the other thing that I enjoy is that it stays with people. And people remember that experience. So I think it's good. Tell me more about him. What What's his major and how's he doing? He's doing good. He lives in a house on Stimson with a friend and he's um, trying to be a business major, needs to get his GPA up. Uh, or if not, he's going to be a communications major. <laughs> but he he loves OU and, and loves living down there. Um, with the COVID restrictions and everything, he is happy that he was already in a house. Um, but he's doing real good. He just... You know, my plan worked to indoctrinate him into Athens and the love of Athens. And uh, so I just loved when he chose to go there. Uh, so so that and then my uh, stepdaughter went there as well. And she kind of like you had a hard time in the beginning and um, didn't, you know, wanted to come home and felt she didn't like it. And then she uh, joined a sorority and she found her people. And she was very happy and, and loved the rest of her time there. So uh, she's a successful Bobcat teacher in Chicago right now with three little kids. And uh, and I have lots of nieces and nephews that went there as well. So I'm a big OU family. Well, I didn't mention it, but I have two Bobcats myself. So my son, Casey, is a senior. I was going to ask that because <laughs> yes. I saw you had two sons. So <laughs> Yes. So he's a senior. He's graduating with an economics degree. Very proud of him. Um, his plan is to go on to grad school. So it's that time right now where, you know, he's getting rejection letters back from grad schools and he's just feeling really down. And I'm just telling him to hang in there. It's going to be fine. Like, you know, you still have other eggs in your basket. So it's good. So, and he's on campus right now because he became an RA. So a little bit of following in my footsteps, which is hilarious and you all know as parents like all growing up both of my kids I'm never going to work on a college campus like you made us live here because we lived in the residence halls until Casey was 12 and Brian was 10 
or right around those ages. Oh, wow. And yeah, so they were like, I'm not getting involved in anything that you were involved in. <laughs> but as soon as his sophomore year came around, Casey became an RA. So I loved it. And he's also involved in Student Senate, which is hilarious because I'm an advisor to Student Senate. But um, he's doing that, doing great, living in Reed right now, follow, you know, doing all the protocols, following everything he needs to follow. He did have to go into isolation um, when he first came back because he got a positive COVID test. Um, we, we know all the students had to take that vault COVID test before they came back onto campus. We had been with each other the whole time, never went anywhere else. Uh, he had never been out of our house, and he had a positive test. So uh, he went into isolation and had to do that for 10 days. Scott and I quarantined for 14 days. Nobody had any symptoms. We never had any problems. Um, everybody just went back to work when it was over. So we think it might have been a false positive for him, but... It was still important for us to just follow all the protocols and make sure we were being safe. Yes, you see in the news, uh, there's kids out in the streets going to bars, not really paying attention to the protocol like they should. But as a whole, I feel kids are much more responsible today than when I was their age. Both my children are far more mature at 17 and 20 than I was. Yes, and I actually, well, I was, like I said, I was pretty, <laughs> I was a rule follower, <laughs> but, um, but I think that's in general true across the board, and one of the other things I talk about during orientation is I kind of combat the party school myth, um, and I talk about how, yeah, we were absolutely a party school 20, 30 years ago, but what's happened is students are different now. Like, we've put in a lot of safety measures. You know, we don't mess around. If you're continuing to break the law, you're not going to be a bobcat anymore. But it's more that the students themselves have changed. They're more focused. They, they understand the return on their investment. You know, they're not spending $25,000 a year on a party. Right? So they know uh, the value of their education. And I just think students are a little bit more focused than we used to be. Well, it's more competitive. I know it's just more competitive all the, all the way around. Now when you go to school, you almost have to know your major in the beginning, where I didn't know till my halfway through my senior year. And uh, it's, it's just a different environment. You're right. I think the competition is so much stronger for jobs, and, and they have to be serious. I was talking to a student this morning. She was interviewing me uh, because she wants to go into student affairs, and she's a sophomore. And she's already a learning community leader. She works in Nelson Market. She's a Margaret Boyd Scholar. What else did she have going on? Oh, she's applying to be a student trustee. And she's only a sophomore. And we were talking about, like, what she could do these next two years to set herself up to get her master's degree and work and do the kind of work that I'm doing. And I'm like, listen, you were so much farther ahead than I was at your age. I just was an RA. That was my thing. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved the leadership about it. I loved mentoring the students on my floor section. I lived in uh, Pickering, Crawford, Brown, and Fenzel. So I was really a South Green person. As it um, should be, the only, the best green in the world. Uh, I was a Pickering, Arm Brewster, and Roz is South Green as, as well. Well, I was Jefferson freshman year, and that was like formidable for me. I had so many good friends that came out of that large all-girls dorm, and 
That's really where a lot of my good friends came from living in Jefferson. Oh, that's so funny. I wanted to live in Jefferson and I was so disappointed that I got shoved into Pickering, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I bet your freshman year would have been better. <laughs> yeah. But Roz, have you been back to see Jefferson? We redid it a couple of years Yes. Ago. Yes. Oh. I get there. I am an Athens regular. It is sad I haven't been there actually since I moved my son in last May just because of COVID and nothing's been opened. And now he has a car where he didn't used to, which kind of bums me out. I don't have an excuse to go drive him down there. But um, so, yes, I've been there a lot. And Jefferson is so different with that nice little market. It's really fancy in the bottom. Beautiful. So nice. And that's actually my youngest son works there. So my youngest son, Brian's a sophomore. And he decided to stay home this year with everything going on in COVID. Um, so he's currently chilling in our basement. <laughs> we have like the, the man cave down there and he does his work in the basement. Um, but he loved the Jeff market and that's where he worked. And so he's so sad this year that we have not opened the Jeff market. But right now he's working in the Nelson market. But those uh. markets are great. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like markets, like a like a little convenience store, or uh, we didn't yeah. have that. Oh, way better than. It- but way better. It has everything. It has like smoothies and ready to go food, and it has every sort of uh, kind of food you would like. It also has like laundry detergent and toothpaste. And what I liked about it as a parent is he could buy things there with his uh, food plan card. So it was like, if you run out of toothpaste, you can go get some at the market with your card and you have no excuse not to have some. Um, so I thought that was really nice as a parent feeling yeah, that. Think of it that. as like um, Whole Foods. It looks like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's on the inside. So it's really kind of trendy. And they have a little deli station. They have a veggie butcher. So if a student wants to like buy a pineapple and doesn't have the means to cut said pineapple on campus, you can just go to your little veggie butcher and they'll cut it up for you. It's really nice. That has changed. Well, speaking as a three-time Bobcat, you've probably seen um, the evolution of the dining halls quite a bit. Now, are there still dining halls or is everything based on the little markets? Oh, there's still dining halls. Jefferson Dining Hall sadly does not exist anymore. So Jefferson Dining Hall has been turned into a market. So the entire footprint where the dining hall used to be is now a market. Um, But we still have Shively, we still have Boyd, and then we have Nelson. So, but depending on the lingo and how savvy your current Bobcat is, the they call Boyd, what do they call Boyd? The, do they call Boyd the market or the West market or something like that? They have different names for them now. <laughs> I still call them Boyd, Shively, and Nelson, but they have cooler names. Oh, yeah, I, I'm not privy to that. Uh, my son was on South Green uh, both, both his uh, freshman and sophomore year, so he was at Nelson's all the time. Well, when did South Green, you'll know this, Jenny, when did it become Dirty South? Like, when we were there, it was was New South. I know. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, when we built those in the 70s, we didn't use good materials. And it was still New South when I was a student in the 90s, because it was like everybody was excited to live back on New South. 
um, just to get like the singles and everybody loved the mods. But then I would say probably in the last 10 years or so, students started calling it Dirty South. So it's not the best for our like image or for when students have to live there. Because people will be like, oh, I had to go back to Dirty South. I'm like, it's not dirty. <laughs> but, <laughs> and but, now it's like the new, new South. But yes. Awesome. So now the brand spanking new buildings that, when did we, hmm, 2017 maybe? They might be like, oh, see, I'm bad with my age. I've been here so long. I have a really hard time <laughs> telling you when things happen. Right. But when we <laughs> built those new ones, you know, it used to be the tennis courts. And then they moved the tennis courts and made it uh, parking. But it was where those old Wolf Street apartments used to be. All that got raised. And now we have four beautiful suite style buildings. And then in the middle is the Living Learning Center, uh, which is basically where the housing offices are. But then it has four, um, four beautiful classroom spaces where students can take classes or also do programming. It is just gorgeous. So all the students now call that New South. <laughs> so so old people like us we get very confused so <laughs> what we say i never say dirty south like for real but what i say is front four new south and then i say back south or mod south um but right. yeah still, still better than anything at the west green <laughs> now West Green has had some nice renovations lately, too. All the dining halls are new and refreshed. So, Tim, next time you come down, you'll have to let me know you're here, and I'll take you on a tour. You need to see all these spaces. They're gorgeous. But the combo's been redone. Um, I think Ryer's got a refresh. Boyd is beautiful. James is gorgeous. You walk into James right now, and um, the middle of the lobby, the light inside the lobby is a huge bobcat paw. <laughs> so cool i love it <laughs> that yes. is fantastic now i did read that attendance is down and, and covid didn't help with that is there is attendance down basically covid or is there other things and what's the university doing to combat that i think if students you know graduating seniors knew about ou there'd be no other choice i know i that's the bad thing about covid right now is you know, people need to see campus. People aren't going to come like I did, sight unseen, right? Like, uh, the modern student is going to visit and be a part of campus. Um, and so we've been really struggling with how do we show people how wonderful this place is and the beauty of our campus. And you know how you, like, the beauty sucks you in, but then the people connect you, right? And, like, how do we get students to understand, prospective students to understand how special and magical a place Athens is. So we've been working on some things. I don't know if you've seen some of the new branding, the Forever Ohio branding. Um, yes, there. I saw the t-shirt swap thing. That was, uh, you know, I get all the uh, emails for parents and Tim, they had this thing where if you brought in a t-shirt from a competing college, they would swap it for a Forever Ohio t-shirt. Like Miami shirts in the trash. <laughs> you get a sweatshirt for that one, probably. I think somebody brought in a Miami shirt and they gave the whole family forever t-shirts. But, um, but it was so we're doing a lot more in our branding and outreach. We have done virtual tours. We have opened up and we're doing a lot more campus tours. So when I was out and about today, because today was one of our wellness break days where students didn't have classes. 
So this morning I was running around with bags of candy and t-shirts and every time I saw a student I would give them, I'd be like, hi, happy wellness day. And I kept running into tours. So I think I ran into three or four different tours this afternoon when I was running around on the East Green. So that are this oh, morning. That's great to know that those are back on. Yes, we need um, those. Do they still do the, when I took my niece for a tour once and this was, you know, my son never did take a tour because he had been there so much. He's like, I know. <laughs> I don't need to take a tour. But my niece who ended up going there and I was convincing her to go, I took her for a tour. And the tour guide would say to a random person on the street, oh, you, and the student was supposed to go back, oh, yeah. And I thought that was really cute. I wonder if they still do that on the tour. They still do that a little bit. But it's sad right now because campus is a little emptier. Right. I was so excited when I saw a student today. I'd be like, hey! (laughs) They were probably like... Who is this crazy lady yelling at me with bobcat gear on? But, <laughs> um, but yeah, we have been working on it. But I just, I think there's like kind of a misnomer out there about the enrollment. Uh, so I, I, I want to just put it like reframe it for you a little bit because we just were so high. <laughs> like we never expected to have three or four years of record enrollment. Like it, and what's happened is we've come down from that and everyone's like, oh, enrollment's declining, enrollment's declining. It's, we're just kind of recalibrating to normal. Um, there was a point a couple of years ago where we couldn't, we didn't, we were so stuffed in the gills in the residence halls um, that we had to reinstate triples that we didn't want to. Uh, and we, we didn't allow juniors and seniors to live on campus. Uh, and juniors and seniors have always been welcome to live on campus if they want to keep that connection and that experience. And especially those that are studying abroad or, you know, doing something a little different or graduating early. It's it's cheaper to sign a lease with us because we're not going to make you stay the whole year. So we had a couple of years where we were so stuffed to the gills that we couldn't do that anymore. And it's really about just calibrating back to normal. Um more than, oh gosh, we have to worry about our beloved alma mater. I'm not worried about our alma mater. And thanks for setting the record straight because what I heard too, we had someone on say, oh, enrollment's been down. I'm like, oh yeah, so that was worried about it. I'm like, it can't go anywhere. We need to keep Bobcats forever. And I'm glad you set the record straight. Thanks for sharing. No problem. Yes, that's that's good to hear. And, you know, it seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel with this COVID-19 crisis. And, um, you know, it's is there hope for a, more of a normal experience next fall? Oh, yes, there is. So we are we are really excited about what the fall will bring as far as being a little bit more normal. I mean, Rox, you know, your son's experiencing it right now. It's not the same. Um, no, we're doing our I, best, the, the guys the in the dorms are especially having <laughs> yeah. a hard time. But we're, you know, the the robust testing, we're testing, you know, uh, right up there. Only two people in the state are testing as much as us, and that's Ohio State and Miami. And the fact that we can do this preemptive COVID testing makes it safer on our campus. And just yesterday, we only had 11 students in quarantine and isolation, just 11. And we have 3,400 students on campus right now living in the residence halls. So the community has done such a good job getting a handle on it. And then summer's coming. <laughs> and so spring is going to be much better. Even 
this spring for your sun rocks because we're going to be able to do more outdoor events. We're bringing in some tents to set them up outside the residence halls and the dining halls. So the grab and go that students get, because right now they don't stay in the, the dining halls, they get their food and then take them back with them. That those tents and the seating areas are going to encourage people to still be in community while being safe. Uh, and our plan, we're hoping that every faculty and staff member will be vaccinated by the time summer and fall rolls around. So the more high risk folks, the you know people who are in those higher risk age groups, we should all be vaccinated by then. And our students, uh, we've got fingers crossed, is that vaccinations will be available to them before they are able to come back to campus as well. Our experts are telling us, well, healthy 18 to 22 year olds are gonna be the last people to get vaccinations. <laughs> but you know, Johnson & Johnson just put theirs out. We're buying more as a country and I'm really hopeful that once people are vaccinated, um, we're going to be able to get that kind of herd immunity that we all want and be able to, to be a little bit more normal. Yes, particularly I feel bad for freshmen and seniors. It's just not a good time. Hey, I know we're, we're running out of time a little bit, but tell us about a three-time Bobcat. What was your probably most memorable of the three times? Like, which did you, did you enjoy them all equally as a graduate, undergraduate, and doctorate? Any differences in the three? I wouldn't say I enjoyed getting my doctorate. <laughs> like, that's hard. Yeah, I bet, Dr. Jones. Hall <laughs> <The>, Jones. <laughs> the, um, the dissertation is difficult. And because I was, um, the boys were still small and I was doing it full time, uh, I would say I didn't really enjoy that part as much. <laughs> I enjoy getting that wonderful degree. And I love the fact that I have my doctorate. And I get to wear the beautiful green robes at commencement that really only the president has up on the platform party. So I think I look just as good as the president in my beautiful bobcat robes. I'd say um, better. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would say the best part is that I get to live this experience every day. Right? Like, you all know you loved your time at OU, and you live vicariously. Rox is living through her children. Tim, you're, you're living vicariously through this podcast and, you know, visiting and loving on us whenever you can. I get the joy of doing it every day. And so um, I would say, like, there's a lot of benefits to being a three-time Bobcat. There's a lot of benefits to being in student affairs and being the dean of students. So my favorite thing, I will leave you with my favorite thing. About five years ago, the homecoming committee um, asked me to be one of the two voices of the homecoming parade. And so every year, me and DJ A-Rock get to be the voices of the homecoming parade. And it is my absolute favorite time of year. And I love it. And I'm really hoping we can have a homecoming parade this fall. Oh, that's cool. What does that mean, though, that you're a voice? Like you... You're like the announcer. I'm of... the announcer. Yeah, we get oh. to. I get to like be up on this tent at the side of Schoonover. You know, the old Baker Center where the front room patio used to be. Right. I get to be up on that patio, and the parade goes right between where I am on the patio and the Howard Hall site, like across from Voight. 
and the parade just goes right in front of us and the president and the alumni board and all the dignitaries like kind of are on these grandstands next to me and and DJ Rock and I we both have our microphones and we announce and we talk about like what the parade float is or what the banner is or the marching 110 and it is amazing once because without being the voice I wouldn't be able to actually get the great view that I get <laughs> but it's also just so fun to see everybody there and to yeah to voice the parade Oh my God, that sounds amazing. And I'm sure you're like decked out head to toe in bobcat gear. <laughs> I have been known to do like the crazy like white and green uh, wigs and stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, homecoming is a fun time. The alumni band is the best, of course. They are the best. And then they have their little, uh, what do they call it? Oh gosh, they have like the truck where the folks that are like too old to boogie like hang out in their little truck that they pull behind and they uh, have like you're never too old to funk and it's just adorable i love it <laughs> that's awesome well thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day of running ohio university to to come uh, talk to us because we just love talking to people who love athens and that is definitely you <laughs> Well, it has been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, if if people actually like this podcast and you want me to come back, I'd, be, I'd, I'd love to come back sometime. Yes, we would love to have you. So much more to hear about your experiences and just the love of Athens. And you've got it right. I'm uh, so jealous. So uh, thanks again for having on. And when we come down this uh, next time we're in town, we'll definitely look. Sounds perfect. I owe you that tour of the residence halls. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.